Welcome to the Guide Gods Digital Collection. I'm Jack Soroka in conversation with Claire Cunningham. You're listening to a series of podcasts created from the interview material collected as part of Claire's show, Guide Gods. As a disabled person, I spend a lot of time waiting for other people, too, waiting for the bus, waiting for the wheelchair van, waiting for appointments, waiting for bureaucracy, just waiting. And the question of how you wait, it's something that I've come to understand differently in part through my, my, my religious practice, my spiritual practice, to not think of time, waiting time, as wasted time but really as an opportunity to pay attention to where I am, to how I feel, to what's going on, to, to really have the sense that like this moment could, can, be, can be a really potent moment wherever it is. You know, I can't actually make it happen faster. So as much as often I would like to, right? What I can do sometimes is to transform the way I am experiencing the waiting. Time, that was something I became really aware of. I talked to, when I met an academic called Carrie Sandal, who's based in, in Chicago, and she kind of introduced me to the concept of crip time. Mm-hmm. And that being a sort of recognition that disability... Uh, shifts your relationship to time and notions of normative time and that that manifests in lots of different ways I guess Um, that crypt time in some ways begins from the moment of conception actually because you know um, this notion that society tries to put markers on a human body in its development even in you know even before it's born and if it doesn't hit that marker of the body should have developed to do this or look like this or have this this part of the body at this particular mm-hmm. stage then you are already in crypt time mm-hmm. is is kind of how that perspective relates but yeah and things that i take i take longer to do things and now also as i kind of have come more into a crypt identity the fact that i I own the fact I take longer to do things mm. and I'm I'm more comfortable with that than I used to be. Um if if I'm paying for something in a shop, you know, I used to I used to feel very uncomfortable at the fact that I would hold up a queue of people because I didn't move out of the way as quickly as everyone else because when you use crutches you don't have your hands free. And so there's a whole sort of very very honed and very you know very clearly you know defined process that I know exactly what I'm doing in the order I need to do it in um but that recognition that that takes a bit longer than the person maybe behind me that mm. has their hands free and and how that instantly puts you up against um feeling you know you're made to feel like you should get out of the way and you should mm. move faster and people try to sort of help you in inverted commas you know yeah. uh, or indeed people serve you over the top of your my head you know used to happen whereas now I would if that starts to happen then I will absolutely sort of be like excuse me 
do you think you can wait a minute? <laughs> Whereas, you know, before I might have been terribly, oh, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry, I'll get, yeah, I'll just I'll mm. get, I'll try and get, and try to get out of the way, and the more you rush, you drop things. So those things of like, whether the, whether you would see those as tools or not, but uh, certainly a, a, an acknowledgement of an understanding of how how I need to work in the world and what I need. Sometimes I need more time, and I will hold that time when it's necessary now mm. um, in a way that when I was younger I didn't feel confident to. I think both times that I have... Because I've actually listened to all of Julia's interviews twice round because of transcribing them the first time. And both times, particularly the conversation around crip time and Shabbat um, and this idea of, like, it takes the time it takes and actually that pushes against this capitalist, like, production line um, culture that we're in. And both times that I've heard that, that's exactly what I've needed to to hear. <laughs> Shabbat begins 18 minutes before sundown on Friday night, and it lasts for 25 hours. So it carries on from Friday through Saturday night until the first three stars come out. And it is, I think, one of the most amazing parts of Jewish tradition for me. It's a exquisitely beautiful, peaceful time that is for me an antidote to the hectic, busy, rushed, working world in which I spend so much of my life. The understanding of Shabbat is that for six days God labored to create the earth and everything that was in it. And on the seventh day, God rested. Jewish tradition understands the rest as the thing which completes creation. Without rest, you can't actually have creation. Jewish tradition, I think, has a very interesting relationship with time and the idea that space is not so much the thing you sanctify, but time. Shabbat is a time that really, no matter where you are, no matter where in the world you are, no matter whether you have a synagogue or if it's a special place, you, you, the, it's the time that counts. The sanctification, the, 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 the recognizing sacred time. You know, I thought a lot about crypt time and disability time and willingness to take the time that something needs. And I was, I've not always been good at this. I've sometimes really beaten myself up for needing more time, for being slow, for being late, for making other people late. And... I think in many ways it's through my practice of my Shabbat practice that I've transformed my own sense of relationship with time. It doesn't matter how long it takes. It takes, what, it takes the time it takes. Shabbat is 
25 hours of every week where you're not allowed to perform work. You're not allowed to labor. Now, what Jewish law means by labor and what we, what capitalist America thinks of as labor is not entirely the same thing. So it's not exactly about work in the way we define it, but it, it's, such an, it's such a profound challenge to the notion that people are valued on the basis of their ability to produce because no one's producing. It's a day where the tyranny of production is shut off. You're just not allowed to make anything. And that is a really, I think it is really liberatory in terms of a disability perspective, in terms of a disability politic that says we are not valuable just because of what we can earn or whether we can work or whether we can work nine to five. I mean, I think of the number of people who have felt their lives to be, who have fought to have their lives recognized as being worth living because they couldn't hold a job. And that's, that's such a desecration of what it means to be alive. The idea that our culture should tell people that you're worthless because you can't earn a living. And what a, what a terrible thing. Mm. Yeah, so to the extent that I have come to be able to really value people in a different way, it's, because of, it's in part because of Shabbat. I definitely consider myself someone that, like, has needed slowness or what is considered to be slower time but particularly in the last few months actually going oh no I really might need more time than the normative person Mm -hmm. and that's so nice to know that there's people out there that like have got their head around that and not only accept that they need more time but that that is like its own form of like um rebellion in a in a great way like its own it's an act in itself against the dominant narrative yeah against yeah this way that valuing people just on what they can produce and how efficient they can be thanks for listening to this conversation as part of the guide god's digital collection if you've enjoyed this podcast please listen to our other conversations via the website.